Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste. Namaste, everyone. This evening, on page 127 of the Hanuman Puja, we're going to go through a series of Bij Mantras which is more in attunement with what we were calling last night, describing as Pach Pacha Vidya. Uh, that's the vidya of this, the alliteration of sounds and vibrations which give to you a whole, a, a whole new submersion in the vibration of the mantras. It, it, it goes way beyond the intellectual explanation. I try to divide them up and, and take... Uh, these are combinations, the beach mantras, which are combinations in English, they would be combinations of four or five consonants with one vowel. Uh, and if in taking each of the consonants uh, and putting it together uh, using the form of the Swami Niganthu, uh, we used, uh, we came up with some definitions. But uh, before I get into these uh, types of Pachapacha Vidya, I'd like to read another excerpt from the Aparajita Stotram, uh, and that'll give you more of an idea of what we're talking about, this submersion, this uh, creating the Spandana, the vibration, and submerging ourselves in this ocean of vibration until you assume all the qualities, all the characteristics of the vibration. So this verse says, Om Namastu Te Surdhutya Dhanava Naga Gandhava Yaksharaksa Bhutta Preta Bichacha Kushmanda Siddha Yogini Dakini Skandam Purogan Grahanasatran Doshan Doshan Chanyan Hana Hana Dakala Pacha Pacha Mata Mata Bidwang Sakya Bidwang Sakya Bijurna Kabijurna Kabidrava Kabidrava Shankina Chakrina Badrina Kadena Kargina Sudena Kadena Mushagalena, Mahalena, the Modera, Basni, Kurukuruswa. And you can feel that vibration rising to the surface. And this is what the Pachapacha Vidya is about. So here we're going to, in the Hanuman Puja, we just sort of finished the Bajaranban, the arrow of the very strong, the arrow of he his body is as hard as a diamond or as strong as lightning. He is luminous. He is uh, indestructible. And now we're going to say a spring, a spring, a spring, a strong, a spring, a strong, a matina, a homing, string, hong, ring, hung, a spring, a strong, a spring, a strong, And intellectually, using the Nigantu approach of taking each letter on its own and putting them together, and putting all the leather together and making a vibration. It says, the light of wisdom, the fruits of wisdom, perfection, supreme divinity, the fruits of the subtle body, wisdom, perfection, supreme divinity, fruits in the subtle body, wisdom and perfection, supreme divinity who takes away the inharmonious 
protection, perfection, supreme divinity, the light of wisdom, fruits, wisdom, the subtle body of wisdom and perfection, the supreme divinity and the subtle body, consciousness, nature, we bow to Hanuman, Om, the infinite beyond conception, wisdom, increase, supreme divinity in the gross body, supreme divinity in the subtle body, supreme divinity in the causal body, the supreme divinity, the fruits of wisdom, perfection, supreme divinity in the subtle body of consciousness and nature, own to the sun of the wind, to the bliss of liberation, I am one with God. And we move beyond the intellectual definitions of what these words are saying into the vibration of what these words are saying. So if you have like an aim, is A plus E plus Anuswa. So you have A is the first letter of the alphabet, and that's the sound of creation. E is the causal body. Anuswa is perfection, the perfection of the subtle, of the causal body of all creation, aim. And that's the bij mantra of the guru. That's the bij mantra of Saraswati. That's the bij mantra of wisdom. So you've got this light of wisdom. A spring, a spring, a spring, a strong, a spring, a throw. Hanamate Namaha. You've got this light of wisdom and the fruits of wisdom and coming to perfection. In the gross body, in the subtle body, in the causal body within us, these are the meanings that we're reaching towards when we get into the vibration of these beach mantras. Now, you want, don't want to challenge anyone and say, well, intellectually, if I look this up in the dictionary, I'm not going to come up with this definition, and you won't. You have to practice these mantras and you will have an understanding what these mantras are saying. So there are many examples throughout the scriptures where you, it's not about the dictionary definition of the mantra. It's not about the accepted definition of the meaning of each letter in the mantra. It's about the feeling that you get. On every level, we talked about seven levels of understanding uh, in every level of consciousness, but then you've got a vacha art and a gur art and a gupt art and a sampradaya art. And a, uh, uh, you, you, there are many different kinds of arts or definitions or explanations for the meaning and the application of these mantras. As you practice, Reach for the highest. Reach for the highest, and, and it, that's the right definition. Reach for the highest. It's not in a word. It's in a feeling. It's in a bhavana. It's in your understanding. So now let's recite the eight verses in praise of Hanuman, the reliever of all difficulties. And remember, we discussed already that Ganesh is Binayak, and he takes away the Vigna. He removes the difficulties. And Durga takes away the Durgam and she removes the difficulties. And Hanuman is Sankat Mochan and he takes away the difficulties. Now why do we need so many gods and goddesses to take away the difficulties? 
because we've got a lot of problems. <laughs> if you have no problems, you don't need anybody to help you take the difficulties. But if you've got a problem, you want to call upon every resource that you can in the Sapta Yuga, in the Treta Yuga, in the Dwapar Yuga, in the Koli Yuga. You want to use every resource that you possibly can relate to. Each one of these forms of divinity is a relationship. And it comes, they come with a whole Sanskriti, a whole Itihas, a whole Sahitya. They come with their own culture, their own language, their own basha, their own, uh, 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 their own definitions, their own stories. Of the, uh, because uh, Durga was fighting Mahishasura, the great ego, and Ram was fighting Ravan, and Hanuman was taking away the difficulties, and Durga was taking away the difficulties, and Ganesha was taking away the difficulties. We need them all. So this is the Sankat Mochan Hanuman Ashtakam, the eight verses in praise of Hanuman who removes all difficulties. And as a child, you tried to eat the sun as if it were a ball of milk sweet. They called me the Ladu Sadu. Darkness engulfed the three worlds, and no one could think how to free the sun from your mouth. And then all the gods came to bow to you with humility and let life loose from its captivity. When you swallowed the sun, you swallowed all of life. Nobody could do anything without the light. And so, who in the world doesn't know your name as the reliever of all difficulties? We had a song about that in English. Who in the world doesn't know that monkey whose name removes all difficulties? Jai Hanuman, Jai Jai Hanuman, Jai Hanuman, Jai Jai Hanuman. So here we're, we're describing the adventures, the youth, the growing up, all of Hanuman's mischievous plays and ploys, and we're saying, who doesn't know that monkey? That monkey who's going to take the monkey out of my mind, the monkey off my back, who's going to remove all my difficulties. So Grieve, the king of the monkeys, was afraid of his mighty brother, Bali. And he hid himself on top of a mountain, and so Grieve knew that Bali could not come to that mountain because of the Muni's curse. Remember Rishi Shring got mad at Bali. He threw the, uh, the demon Dundubi uh, uh, with such force, he landed at the mountain. And uh, 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 the Rishi got mad and he cursed Bali, you can't ever go to that mountain. Sugrive, when he was exiled from Bali's kingdom, he said, well, where will I be safe? I'm going to the mountain, to that mountain, to Rishyamuk. Uh, it's the mountain in South India where Sugrive took refuge with Hanuman and Jambabhat and Dalanil and the whole, all the well-wishers of Sugrive. They all left the kingdom. And Bali couldn't go to the, the uh, uh, mountain. He couldn't visit there even because of Rishi Shringa's curse. 
So he, Sugriv knew that Bali could not come to that mountain because of Muni's curse. Yet still he lived in fear. He thought, well, well, well wait a minute. he can't come, but he could certainly send somebody. And anybody coming into this area is suspect. Are they the ambassadors of Bali? Are they coming to hurt me? Are they coming to cause me harm? When Ram came to that forest, O Hanuman, you disguised yourself as a twice-born Brahmin, taking the form of a Brahmin. You, you persuaded him to come to help deliver the king from his sorrows. Uh, so it, 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 as a Hanuman, when he recognized Ram and Lakshman, Hanuman had been sent by Surya, the son, and uh, the Surya said to him, you know what your job is? You're going to protect Sugriv, and the reward will be one day Ram's going to come to this forest, and you will take Ram to Sugriv, and Ram is going to save Sugriv from his sorrow. All because of you, Hanuman. Who in the world doesn't know that monkey whose name removes all difficulties? <laughs> oh, Hanuman, all the monkeys went with Angad, and Bali's son, in search of Sita. So after uh, uh, Bali was killed, uh, Angad became Yuvraj. He became the heir apparent, and Sugriv became the new king. And Sugriva promised Ram, if I become king, I'm sending out all the armies of the monkeys all over the world to search for Sita. Ah, so uh, Amgad was in charge of the group with Hanuman and Jambavant and Nalanila and all the other uh, heroic warriors of their group. They all went out in search of Sita. So anxious they were for fear of returning without knowledge of Sita's location, they were all scared to death. How can we go home without finding Sita? That was the job that we were given. That's the, the, the task to which has been, uh, we have been entrusted. They were all tired and sorrowed because of their unsuccessful search. They were looking for her everywhere, and they became tired and hungry, exhausted. And then you brought the message from Sita and described her captivity, and so you saved all the other monkeys. Uh, Hanuman uh, uh, found Sita in Lanka in the kingdom of the ego. She was imprisoned at the foot of the tree where there is no grief. And there she was grieving. But Hanuman got into the prison and brought her the ring from Ram and introduced himself as the ambassador of consciousness and said that my job is to bring news of Sita to Ram and Ram will decide how we will defeat Ravan. Who in the world doesn't know that monkey whose name removes all difficulties? Konakin janata hejagamein kapishankatamochananamatiharo under the orders from Ravan, the demon women were giving such pain to Sita. Ravan, he ordered all the demon women who were guarding Sita torment her until she surrenders and accepts me as her husband. Sita said, no way. <laughs> no way, fella. You don't 
Sita was praying for deliverance from sorrows. Then, O Hanuman, you came to that place and destroyed the many strong demons. You gave her the ring of her beloved Ram and removed all sorrows from Sita's heart. Who in the world doesn't know that monkey whose name removes all difficulties? When Lakshman was pierced by the arrow of Ravan's son, that was Meghnad, remember Meghnad through the Brahmastra, and that Lakshman, and he bound him in Nagpash, and he bound him with the weapon of snakes, which were squeezing out the life. And then Hanuman went and brought Sushain, the, 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 the physician. He was Ravan's personal physician. And Hanuman said, you come with me. To, you've got to save the life of Ram's brother. He said, wait, that's my king's enemy. You want me to go there and treat as a physician the enemy of my king? I'll be in a lot of trouble. Hanuman said, oh no, you won't. And he picked up the whole house, <laughs> including Sushain, who was sitting inside, and he brought the whole house to Ram, where, who was crying over the, the impending injury, the great injury, the impending death to Lakshman, and he said, Sushain, you are a doctor, and the only enemy of a doctor is disease. Doctor doesn't de dis discriminate between my king's foe and my enemy's foe. The only foe a doctor knows is disease. Now your duty as a heal healer is to heal. So I'm entrusting you with the task of healing Lakshman. So Shane said, oh, I looked at him, I, I examined the patient, to put his hand on the nadi, uh, and he said, uh, oh, it, the only thing that can save Lakshman is an herb on the far side of the Himalayas, which is called Sanjeevani. And you all remember the Sanjeevani mantra, Mrityu Sanjeevani, which comes in the Chandi. We sing the Sanjeevani mantra. And we also, Hanuman immediately jumped up and he flew to the Himalayas and he looked at all the herbs. All the herbs said, I want to go, I want to go. And Hanuman said, I can't take you, I, I can't figure out which one is the Sanjeevani. So he picked up the whole mountain and came back and said to the doctor, you, you choose which one is the right, right herb to save my, your patient. Well, when Lachman was pierced by the arrow of Robin and son, he became unconscious. And you brought Sushane, the man skilled in medical arts, along with his entire house. Then you brought the whole mountain filled with life-giving medicinal herbs, and thus you saved Lakshman's life. Who in the world doesn't know that monkey whose name removes all difficulties? <laughs> Under orders from Robin, the demon women, did we do that? No. Under orders from Robin, the demon women were giving such pain to Sita. Sita was praying for deliverance from sorrow. I think we did that. No. We didn't do that. Yes, we did. That was number four. That's the same as number six. Well, very good. Who in the world doesn't 
know that monkeys name removes all difficulties. When the great demon Ahiravan kidnapped Ram, Lord Ram and his brother Lakshman, he took them to the bowels of the earth in Patal. So Ahiravan came and he kidnapped Ram and Lakshman and he took them to Patal Desh. And he wanted to offer them as human sacrifices in worship to the mother goddess, but you rescued them by destroying Ahiravan and the whole demon army. Who in the world doesn't know you're that monkey whose name removes all difficulties? Oh, Hanuman, you have done great works for all of the gods and have been recognized as the bravest and greatest in the world. What small problems of my poor self can be difficult for you? <laughs> what a negotiator. <laughs> Uh, I pray to you, O Hanuman, please deliver me from all difficulties, just like you did for Ram and Lakshman and Sita. O Hanuman, whatever they may be, please deliver them all from me. Take them all away, all my problems. Who in the world doesn't know that monkey whose name removes all difficulties? And now there's a doha at the end, and it says, Laude hulali lasei, Urudori langur, Badra deha danavadalana, Jai 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 Kapisur, Siyabora Ramachandra Kije. Oh Hanuman, your monkey's body is a radiant red color and your face is red as well. Your strong body is unbreakable and is capable of destroying all the evils of the world. Victory, victory, victory to me be to you, oh divine monkey. Victory to Sita and Ram. Victory to Hanuman, the son of the wind. Victory to the great Lord Shiva, the husband of Uma. And now we have some more beach mantras. Om, we bow to the supreme divinity, to the son of the shining one, to he of great strength. I am one with God. Om wisdom maya increased. Maya in all its manifestations. Bur, Ua, Shwa, The world of gross perception. The world of subtle perception. The world of intuition. The great cosmic manifestation. The world of knowledge. The world of light. Om we bow to the supreme divinity of great strength. To he who defeats ghosts and goblins, impure beings, those proud of their learning demonic energies, the slayer of demonic witches, the great slayer of demons, terrifying demonic beings, inharmonious demons of the constellations, in a moment, Ekshana, burn, burn, break, break, slay, slay, teach, teach, O great seer of all. Manifestation of Rudra, Om, cut the ego, purify, I am one with God. Om, we bow to the supreme divinity, Hanuman, to Rudra, completely mesmerize, oh, completely mesmerize all the evil beings, I am one with God. That's my request to you, completely stun.
Sarvadusta John stamina to mesmerize them. They just make them totally incapable of paralyzed paralysis, complete paralysis. They're totally incapable of inflicting any injury on any of us. Saradusta done staminam, mesmerize all the evil beings I am one with God. Oh, Maya in the world of gross perception, Maya in the world of subtle perception, Maya in the world of intuition, excellence, light of wisdom, knowledge, purify. I am one with God. Om, we bow to the supreme divinity, to the sun of the shining one, to he of great strength. I am one with God. Let's just listen to how that sounds. Om Namo Bhagavate Anjaneya Yamaka Balaya Swaha Om Aim Ring Sring Hrong Ring Rung Roing Rung Ra Om Namo Bhagavate Mahabala Parakrama Yabut Preta Pisachara Marachasa Chakini Dakini Yachini Putanamari Makamari Rakshasa Boy Rababeta Lagraka Rakshasa Dikan Chani Nakanakana Banjakaban Namaste. Why are you finished? Well, because we're going to enter a new chapter, and I think there's going to be a lot of questions about this last portion that we read. But it's got a lot of bob, and a lot of vibration, and a great feeling, and it's like a great cauldron in which we submerge our ego and our attachments and watch it boil to, to effervescence and overflowing until you just feel completely purified and cleansed, like you just came out of a bath in the Ganji. Let's see if there are any questions. We have a question from Swarupananda. Yes, namaste Swarupananda. Namaste. Why exactly did Hanuman try to eat the sun? Is there some significance in the fact that he did this during his childhood? childhood? Yes, it was, a, it was a fun prank. He looked up at the sun, he said, I'm hungry and that looks like a great big red fruit. <laughs> and he really uh, jumped up and started to eat the sun. So he, what happened was he took control of the light of wisdom and said all gods, all goddesses, all divinity recognize that I have control of the light of wisdom. I am the avatar of Rudra, Rudra avatar. You look at me and you see the incarnation of Siva and you know that you are protected. When you are sincere in your devotion, I will release the light of wisdom. All can bathe and bask in the light of wisdom. And that was the meaning of his jumping up to eat the sun. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste Ambika Ma. Creating and manifesting our goals can be a difficult process. With so many gods and goddesses available to remove difficulties, how do we best utilize their presence to help us? 
Well, I'm because in every circumstance, there will be certain needs that pop out to you that are most demonstrative in your process. And those needs are fulfilled by certain forms of divinity. Now, we're all in agreement that there's only one God. And we're all in agreement that there's only one goddess. And the goddess and the God are one and the same. So now, I need to give up my darkness. I better call Kali. I need to illuminate my light. I better call Gori. I need to, fall, to manifest my goals. I better call Lakshmi. I need some knowledge. I better call Saraswati. I want to get rid of these difficulties, these obstacles. I'll call Binayak. I'll call Ganesh. I'll call Durga. I'll call Hanuman. In whatever tradition, in whatever eh, yug I am present in, those are the forms of divinity that I will call upon to assist me in the present exercise of my requirements. And also they call. And they call you too. <laughs> Very true. Huh? Huh. So, uh, Ambika, do you know if you, if you come to the Devi Mandir, the yuga dharm, the prevailing attitude of the Devi Mandir is Satya Yuga. You just watch Srima and you know she floats on the ocean of grace. And she regards all as her one family. If you go to Ayodhya, you go to Jamakpur, to Mithila, you will understand that it's Treta Yuga. Ram Nam Satya. Ekmatra, Ram Nam Satya. Go to Vrindavan and you'll know it's Dwapar Yuga. Vrindavan Dam Boloradesham. You come to downtown New York City and you know it's Kali Yuga. <laughs> money, money, money. Ambika, according to your position in this world, according to your thoughts, your aspirations, according to your tradition, whatever it is that you're seeking, you know how to integrate those forms of divinity into your life. Do I want to give up my darkness or do I want to illuminate my life? Do I want to illuminate light? Do I want to become one with the ocean of world or do I want to become one with my guru? Do I want to become one with my deity? Now you may answer all of the above and you fit right into the Davy Munder family for people who can't make a decision. Follow the example of your guru. If you have a difficulty deciding which form of divinity uh, the great question of the Rig Veda, to which form of divinity should we offer our oblations and attention? And the answer came, And there is only one for there is only one divinity, one supreme divinity, which is known by many names. It is spoken of as many. So Ambika, wherever your heart lays, wherever you get your inspiration, whatever appropriate for your time, place, and circumstance, that's the form of divinity you'll worship. And if you can't decide on your own, then send me an email. <laughs>
said, call me Yuga. We can get foot to foot. You'll get your answer right away. Many of these mantras are in Avadi or other dialects. No, no, no. These mantras, the beach mantras are all in Sanskrit. But um, Bajrangban? Yeah, but Bajrangban is written in Avadi. In Hanuman Chalisa? Written in Avadi. Does it have the same power as Sanskrit? Yes, it does. It does. It's like reading old English, like in Chaucer, uh, as compared to Shakespeare. I mean, does Shakespeare have power? Of course he does. We remember him hundreds of years later. Does Chaucer have more power? You will remember him thousands of years later. The language has power. It has meaning. But they updated their language all through history. And so are we. We're taking these Vedic and Puranic and uh, these uh, epic poems and translating them into some kind of English. Whether you agree or disagree is, is irrelevant. We're trying to translate and update and make it relevant to your lives and our lives in this present time, place, and circumstance. And yes, they come through different iterations and different languages. It's like when Martin Luther translated the Bible into German. Now, suddenly it was in a vulgar tongue. <laughs> That's what they called it then. You know, vulgar tongue meant it was in the people's language. It ceased to be in the language of the gods. It ceased to be in, in all in Latin, and then it was in Greek, and then it was in Aramaic, and then it, it suddenly it, it was only the providence uh, of the, the province of scholars. You had to be a scholastic in order to study. And suddenly it became the people's empowerment to study their own religion, to study their own tradition, to study their own heritage. This became, it was a vulgar exercise. <laughs> and that's how they termed it. But it, it, that's what it meant to take the clerical languages and translate them into the modern languages. And that's what we are doing again and again. So they are very much powerful. The most powerful is to sit in one-pointed samadhi without any thought. Now if you can't do that, then you go from the bindu to the beach. Uh, you, from the bindu to the nod, to the subtle body of sound, from the nod to the beach, which is the closest approximation, from the beach to the shabda, which is the, the spoken form of the subtle vibration, and from the shabda, we put, take the akshar and we move, make them together, and you have words of unity, words which bring us back to the bindu, and you have words which describe phenomena in the world outside. So, yes, if you want to sit in one-pointed samadhi, that's fine. But if you can't stay there internally, then when you come out, better you study what the scriptures mean rather than float around the world and think about, oh, what's my place in this whole big world? How much can I get for me and how much do I have to give back? We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma. Pranam, please explain about the verse on page 134. Why would demons want to give sacrifice to the mother goddess? Would this be wrong? Of course it's wrong. They were demons. 
Julia, oh, he Robin was a cousin of Robin. And he uh, said to Robin, I, you are being perplexed by this Rom, these lowly human creatures crawling on the earth. We are demons. I'll tell you what, I will kidnap Rom and I will kidnap Lakshman. I will offer them in sacrifice to our goddess. And then the goddess will be pleased with me. She will bless all the demons. You'll be free from your problems. I will be your Sankat Mochan. I will remove all of your difficulties by killing Ram and Lakshman. And that's what he proposed to do. He bound them in a prison and he put them in a dungeon and he prepared all the ingredients and all the area for sacrifice and he was going to perform Naranate, which is a human sacrifice. And Hanuman came and set them free. And he defeated Ohiravan, and he brought Ram and Lakshman back to Lanka, where they continued the battle with Ravan. And Ravan was not freed from all of his difficulties. <laughs> that was the story. Uh, so uh, uh, Ram and Lakshman were bound on various occasions, they were bound by Meghnad, they were bound by uh, Ohi Rabin, they were defeated by uh, Robin himself, and then they defeated everyone. <laughs> Ultimately, Satyameva Jayate, the truth will prevail. And Ram and Lakshman prevailed over Robin. We have a question from Kyle. Namaste, Kyle. Pranam. When Hanuman walked backwards in front of Surya in order to learn from him, was there some significant, uh, some esoteric significance to this? Oh, there was. There is a significant esoteric explanation for every action which Hanuman performed. He was Shiva's avatar. Everything he did, he said he showed that he was the most humble, he was the most resourceful, he was the most diligent of all devotees to ever come. He was worthy of receiving teaching. So he said whatever Surya can do forwards, Hanuman can do backwards. <laughs> and if the sun circumambulates the earth, forwards and Hanuman can do it backwards and so he did and then that showed to Surya that he was a disciple worthy of receiving teaching from the Guru it wasn't like today where the Gurus are saying oh disciples please come and learn from me please come and take Diksha it's only 50 bucks a pop please come and I love to teach you no, in those days, the disciples went to the gurus and said, please give me teaching. And guru said, show me you're worth it. Show me you're not going to take my teaching and go across the street and open up your own ashram and say, please come and give me, take my teaching. And you're going to go in the guru business immediately. I'm going to put up my own website and write a book and I'll show you, guru, I'm a bigger guru than you are. So he, he, the, the objective of, in those days, in the classical tradition, was for disciples to prove and demonstrate to the gurus that they are worthy of receiving teachings, that they are worthy of being disciples. 
principles, not just a, 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 not just by the actions or the questions that they ask. Definitely, that is one criteria. But also, Guru had the authority to test them and say, "Do you do you really think that you can reflect my example in your life? Show me." I want you to demonstrate to me the sincerity of your desire to learn from me. Not just come in here and write me a check. Or not. <laughs> but just come in and show me that you really want to learn. Show me that you want to, to, to reflect this example. And as you've seen over the years, most people don't want to show that. It's easier just to say, oh, well, I've learned enough. Salam Aleichem. Aleichem Salam. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda. Nanda Man, namaste. Nice to have you back. Thank you for your working computer. Pranam, how does praying for another or doing puja on the behalf of another ensure that the other person gets the benefit of the puja. Can someone other than the sadak benefit from performing sadhana, the performed sadhana? Absolutely. Nanda, when you have the intention to pray for another individual, like we do on our prayer club, we have the intention. That very intention goes to those people for whom we are praying. The very fact that I am motivated to sit in one asad and perform a spiritual discipline and offer the blessings from that spiritual discipline to another means my intention goes to that individual. Just immediately. Now, if the intention is performed with some degree of efficiency, then I get a benefit and I give more blessings to that individual. Because my benefit is looking, I, I love God so much and have so much faith and have so much patience and so much goodwill that I take the fruits of my offering and give it to another individual. So that amplifies and enhances the position of the third party. Now, when we have a group of people, like in our prayer club, that are praying for each other, it's like the vibrations are bouncing off of each other and creating this cacophony of vibration, which amplifies itself, and it, 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 I mean, it grows geometrically in proportion. It just expands a, ge a geometrical progression where people all around the world are gathering together to chant a mantra for each other. And we all have the same intention now, no selfishness, no egotism. All I want is everyone should grow and benefit and prosper and sadhava mangala mangala I want everyone to get all the blessings and all the mungo and all the welfare of all the welfare I can give to them. That's my intention. That's why we do it. That's what everyone gets. Whether they know it or they don't know it. If they know it and they participate, they get even more. If they don't know it, the vibrations come to them. When we pray for our ancestors, like we're going to do on the Mahaloy Shraddha, 
and Mahaloy on Amavash. Uh, uh, the new moon, the day before the Navaratri starts, the first thing or the last thing we do in this old creation, before we dissolve the creation, Mahaloy, the great dissolution, the last thing we want to do in that old creation, before we dissolve it, is turn around to our ancestors and say, hey, ancestors, you know what? I'm in a good place with good people doing good things, and I'm happy about it. And I want to thank you for any part that you may have played in preparing the, rat, uh, the, the path for me to come to this place right now. I want to turn around to you and say, rejoice, you did a hell of a good job. Thank you very much. Look where I'm at. I'm on a mountaintop with sadhus in a temple with the guru and with the, and I'm learning mantras, I'm learning worship, I'm learning puja. It's all good stuff. I mean, there's nothing bad about it. So any part that you played in putting me here, in preparing the way of the Lord, you prepared this path for me to come up here. You may have taught me where I don't want to go, but that was a help of night by preparation. You may have taught me where I do want to go. You may have taught me what I don't want to do. Thank you. You saved me so much time and experimentation. Something you did in your lives, ancestors, caused me to climb this mountaintop and be in this temple with these people and these gods and these goddesses and studying this literature and studying this heritage and studying this way of life and studying this worship and I'm, I like it. <laughs> I'm happy. And I want you to rejoice in my happiness and I want to say thank you. Now that thank you goes to those ancestors. As soon as you make the intention, as soon as you have the bhavana, as soon as you have the feeling, as soon as you really feel it and understand it and express it, they get a benefit. Wow. Seven generations past and seven generations to come, 14 generations benefit by the very fact that you all are sitting here right now. And you're all staring at your computer screens and listening to that freaky swami rambling on and, and ranting. You get benefit. 14 generations get benefit. And they get benefit just by the fact that you're here they get benefit. And that vibration, that punya, that merit, that good energy all goes to them, whether they're past, present, or future. It all goes to them. Because I'm sure they're up in heaven looking down saying, gosh, we got to go down and reincarnate ourselves. <laughs> what kind of family should we take birth in? Hey, maybe we'll get lucky like our kids did and we'll go to the Devi Mandir and take birth with Srima. I mean, you see kids coming out of the fire every year. We get these divine children taking birth in the family of the Devi Mandir. The first place they go when they come home, 40 days after they come home from the hospital, they come to the temple. And the first thing Sri Ma does is whisper a mantra in their ear. Can you imagine if you got that at the age of 40 days? 
I mean, think of where you're at today. You're 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, and you got the mantra. Just think if you got it after 40 days, where would you be when you're 30, 40, 50, 60? So that's the benefit. All those souls that are up in, in heaven looking down and say, oh, my kids are in the Devi Monday with Sri Ma eating that divine food and, and doing all those, listening to that crazy Swami rant and rave and doing all those religious dharmic things and thinking about how much they appreciate me. Wow, I'd like a birth like that. Maybe I'll come into a family that just came to the mandir and said, Swami, how do we have a divine baby? And Swami appoints to the verses that they should read and the padoti they should follow and the puja that they should perform and how they should honor and respect each other and bring forth a divine child like your nephew, like your son. <laughs> Like a lot of kids that come into this world, they just had that bob from their childhood, that opportunity from their childhood, and that association and this satsang, and all the advantages. And that's how it works when we pray for the benefit of others. They get that bob, they get that prayer, they get that blessing, and they are capable of transmitting that blessing, remembers Ramakrishna as the Kalpataro. He's receiving the energy from above and he's transmitting it to those below. He's a broker. <laughs> he gets a commission in the middle. <laughs> he takes the energy from above and then he transmits it to those of us below. And he gets the benefit the blessing. Every time any one of us sits in front of his shrine, in front of his murti, in front of his altar, and we offer a flower, we offer a mantra, patram pushpam toyam falam yomei bhaktya prakachvi, if we offer him anything, a flower, a leaf, a, a glass of water, a fruit, it, he receives that devotion and he transmits it, the blessings to us. In the same way it happens to Ramakrishna, all around the world, he was, he was a tapasak, twamagni pratamananjiras, rishi, deva, deva nama bhava siva shaka. You, you, were, you were a performer of tapasya. You were a sadhu who wanted to be better like Srini Sadhu. What a name, that was a great name. <laughs> you got that name. Srini Sadhu, he was a sadhu and then he became, a, he became a good. He became a tapasak. And he became illuminated and he became a rishi. And then people said he's a deva. He's Guru Deva Doya Kodadin and Janay. He's the Guru Dave. He's, he's my Guru Dave. And after he became a deva, he became the friend of Shiva. And his name became a symbol for divinity everywhere, just like we sing to Ramakrishna. Our children are going to sing to Srini Baba. Guru Deva Doya Kuradina Janay. I bless you. Oh, you, thank you, Ram. Thank you. I join you in that blessing. Uh, Nanda, that's how it works. So that uh, whenever we 
pray on behalf of others that prayer goes to it goes all around. Everybody gets a benefit. The worshiper gets a benefit. The worshipee gets a benefit. The worship the, the worshiped gets a benefit. The beneficiary of the blessing gets a benefit. Everyone benefits when we lead a life of worship. We have a magic relation. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, please. We have a question from Kantananda. Namaste, Kanta! When I first chanted at the Mandira with you all, it was so beautiful, but when I went home, I could not find that same beautiful feeling. Now, more often, even when I'm here, I can find that beautiful feeling, and you are with me. Will you speak about the change over time? Oh, I just speak with gratitude to you for pursuing that feeling, that bhavana, that our goal for mom and me, is not to make everybody come to the mandir, but to make every home a mandir. To not to make you dependent upon us, but to empower you to be the priestess, the high priestess of your temple. And we would like for you to, to have that bhavana. And it takes a little bit of time, but with patience and diligence, we can cultivate that vibration. You enter into the aura of Srima's vibration and you chant with us in the bhavana, in the feeling, in the intensity, in the, in the poetry, in the expression which we are offering. And you take that home and you practice it and cultivate it and pretty soon it becomes your own. And I bow to you. Thank you for manifesting that beautiful vibration. That's our goal is to empower all of you to make a temple of divinity in your own homes and for each of you to become the holy priest and the holy priestess and to continue the worship. My vision from my childhood was a dream I had. I started walking around the earth and I grabbed someone's hand and they grabbed someone's hand and we made a human chain all the way around the earth. And Kantha, you are doing the same thing by making a temple in your home and teaching your children what it means to live with God and live with their guru and to make worship as a way of life. I bow to you. We have a question from Vivekananda. Namaste, Vivek! Namaste. Hanuman is a monkey. Monkeys are kind of crazy and wild. What is the best way we can get into this crazy, wild, holy monkey bob? Well, <laughs> that, that's a good one. Vivek, <laughs> uh, uh, use your Vivek and figure out what kind of monkey Hanuman is. He's not just crazy and wild, although he did uh, uh, dance the Huchiko. But beyond that, he was directed, he was focused, he was harnessed, he was, uh, uh, he was committed. To his son Kalpa, he had a goal to serve Ram with every his body, mind, and soul, with his speech and his his thought and his deed. He had a a, a, fo a focus, a son Kalpa, a firm determination, a commitment to be the servant of Ram in every single circumstance. He refused to allow mediocrity to accept mediocrity as a way of life. 
He aspired to excellence in everything he did. He didn't give his pro projects half completed. He completed them fully, completely, and perfectly. He did whatever he did, he did for God. So if you want to be a divine monkey, we can talk about that. If you want your monkey mind to be wild, <laughs> then that's not quite the monkey that Hanuman represents to us. He is the perfect devotee. He's the perfect servant. He's a devoted servant. He has dedication. He has a, a, an aspiration to, to manifest the perfect in every action, in every speech that he performs. In Mon Bochun Karm, he did everything to the highest ideal of perfection. He manifested Dharma in his thought, his word, and his deed. And that's a little bit different than saying, oh, Hanuman was a wild monkey. How do we become wild monkeys? We are all quite familiar with what it takes to become a wild monkey. Weren't we dancing like wild monkeys? <laughs> we are the monkeys. <laughs> uh, Hanuman was a divine monkey. And everything he did demonstrated that he aspired for the highest dharma in, in every action. Now, let's make Hanuman the guru. And we will reflect that example entirely. We won't allow mediocrity to become a way of life for ourselves. We will aspire to excellence in everything we do. In every relationship, we'll seek the highest the highest ideal of perfection with everything we do. It can't just be a part-time job. It's got to, either you live it or you don't. And if you don't live it, it's not anybody's fault except your own. <laughs> Who else can you blame? You've got a choice. Every action, you've got a choice. You could do it with ego and attachment, or you could do it with generosity and love. You could demonstrate your anger and throw things uh, here and there and push people around and, and bully people and use all the authority at your disposal. Or you could say, hey, what is the best way for us to work together in this situation? These are choices we make whether we want to reach for the highest ideal of perfection or we want to accept mediocrity as our standard of living. So, Bibik, I abjure you to use your Bibik. Use your discrimination to decide what kind of behavior is most appropriate in this circumstance. Do you want to blame your partner or do you want to find how to make a, big, a real strong partnership? Do you want to uh, 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 expose others for their inadequacy? Or do you want to say, how can I do a better job? What's your goal? Is your goal to show that you're right and she's not? Or is your goal to make the highest harmony and the greatest unity and the greatest togetherness, the efficiency that we can combine together? 
once you understand the goal. Then you've got criteria by which to discriminate. Does this action bring me closer to the goal or does it bring me farther away? If I act like a fool, am I coming closer to the goal? Probably not. <laughs> yes. We have a question from Swarupananda. Namaste, Swarup. Namaste. Hanuman is of radiant red color. Ganesh is covered in red, and Srima wears a red-bordered sari. Can you please explain the significance of the color red? The only difference is Swami's fat, Mom is not. Ganesh is fat, Swami's fat, Mom is not. Uh, red is, is uh, the color of desire, it's the color of blood, it's the color of passion. And all of these deities, Srima, Hanuman, Ganesh, and Swami are all passionate. We're not pursuing our goals with this passion. We have assumed and defined these goals as our path of life, and we are pursuing that path of life passionately, with feeling, with meaning. It is the substance of our lives. And we are reaching for Dharma, the highest ideal of perfection, to the extent of our capacity, passionately, with great desire, giving up our blood, giving up our own sustenance, our own sacrifice, so that we can manifest the highest ideal of perfection all the time. Not just on occasions, not just when it's convenient, not just when it's entertaining, not when it's fun. All the time. And I believe that's what the passion or the red signifies. The lalangur. <laughs> and Ganesh is Shindur Ramarun Abhatsang. He's covered with Shindur. And Srima's got a very passionate red border. <laughs> with the yellow of purity and clarity and peace. Now you have to decide yourself, what's your color? What color are you? We're all kind of colored people around here. How do you color yourself? You color yourself with the white of purity, with the orange of renunciation, with the red of passion, or the black of ignorance and delusion and tamasic behavior. These are all decisions that each of us is going to make in our own lives. How do we want to manifest ourselves? It, our goal is not to make the decision for you. Our goal is to empower you to make your own decisions. And if you choose to reflect these examples, then we want to give you as much inspiration and instruction that as, as uh, according to our capacity so that you are empowered to pursue that example, manifesting that example in your own life. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste.